Relationship Podcast with your host, Certified Life Coach, Chris Rich. If you're having trouble navigating your mixed faith relationships, struggling to connect with your people, or having specific challenges, you are in the right place, my friend. Episode 67, special guest, Mary Heward. Hello there, my beautiful friends. Happy September. You guys, I have a special treat for you today. Today, I have my dear friend, Mary Heward, as my guest on the Mixed Faith Relationship Podcast. A few years ago, I discovered the Believing Wives Marco Polo group that you've heard me talk about. As soon as I joined the group, Mary took me under her wing. She became an instant friend. I like to think of Mary as the mom of our group. She is the heart and the brains that organizes and keeps everything going for us. So Mary, I am so excited that you've agreed to be on the podcast today. So welcome. Oh, thank uh, you so much, Chris. I felt the same way. It's been three years, if you can believe that, since we met online and you have definitely blessed my life and the lives of so many others. And thank you so much. Oh, well, we make a good team. It's that's hard to believe it's been three years. So just, I, I feel like I've known you forever. So I'm super excited that you're on my podcast today. Um, oh, thank you. Well, let, t- tell us a little bit about you. Oh, I sure will. Uh, to start off, I just wanted to say, I listened to your, um, the gold or the dirt podcast that came out this week for when we're listening to it. And writing those 25 things about yourself, I feel is such an incredible tool for yourself. So if your listeners haven't done it yet, go and do it. I did this exercise. So I turned 50 a few months ago and I tried to do 50 things about myself and it was so dang hard. And as I listened to your 25 things, it was such a well-rounded, just well-rounded ideas and a lot of things that I hadn't considered. And so I want to go back and do my 25 things again, and I might steal some of yours, but anyway, go and do this exercise. Maybe have your spouse and and kids do it. It is so good. And so I want to start off with two of my strengths because I think I'm way too hard on myself too often. And I talk about all the bad things, but two of my strengths are that I love people and I want to help people. And so I hope that something that I share today is helpful to someone. I just... That's, that's my, that's my hope for today. So a little bit about myself. I'm the oldest of seven kids. I grew up in Provo, Utah, Happy Valley, USA. (laughs) And uh, now I live in Orem, just right next door. So uh, pretty sheltered as far as uh, worldviews went for a very, very long time. I did serve a mission in Japan that really helped kind of broaden my perspective a little bit. And Um, I got married just shy of turning 28 to my husband, Josh. We've been married almost 23 years. And one of the trials of our lives was that we were not able to have kids, which I never thought was going to happen to me. I thought I'd be like my mom, have a million babies. Um, But we were able to adopt one daughter and she just turned 15. And so that's um, a little bit about my, my self as far as the last few years, I've really tried to understand people's stories, being in this mixed faith marriage, having a sibling that came out as gay and then um, has since come out as trans, 
I, I just feel like the more we can get to, to know people and really hear their stories helps us understand our world better, helps open our hearts. And, um, and I'm just so grateful for all those that have been willing to share their life experience with me. Well, and I, I love that one. One of the things that when we were talking, you said, well, my story is not really different from other people's story, but it is. And I think that's the beautiful thing. When we share our stories with people, we learn so much about them and also we can learn things about ourselves. So I'm just so happy that you're here to share your story. So let's get into it. So how did you find yourself in a mixed faith marriage? So it was eight and a half years ago. My husband, Josh had a brother with a life threatening rare blood disease, and he needed a bone marrow transplant. So all the adults of Josh's family met together and his brother was giving a blessing where he was told he would be healed. End of story. I thought, <laughs> however, the next day I was talking with one of Josh's family members and was really surprised that they were still very worried. He'd been given this blessing of healing. So I thought everyone would finally be at peace, but this family member was still very distraught about the whole situation. And so that night I was talking to Josh about this conversation I'd had earlier in the day and asked him what he thought about the blessing. And it was one of those life moments that I will never forget. I can tell you where we were standing, what we were doing. I can still see the look in his eyes. And I said to him, I don't understand why this family member is so upset. The blessing said your brother would be healed. What did you think about the blessing? And he looked at me and he said, Mary, you don't want to know what I thought about the blessing. And in that moment, time stopped. My stomach dropped. I knew right away that this was big. This was bigger than big. Did I want to go down this rabbit hole? Did I want to just continue on and continue in my ignorance? But I'm a questioner. I have always been a questioner. And so I couldn't stay quiet. And so I started to ask questions. And um, that night, Josh told me that he didn't believe in priesthood blessings. And I was shocked. I mean, like, what? Couldn't even believe it. A couple of days later, he told me he didn't really believe in the church anymore. A couple of weeks later, he told me he didn't really believe in God anymore, but Josh was only willing to tell me a little bit at a time. I had yeah. to be the one asking questions. I felt like I was prying the information out of him and it took a few months <clears throat> for the bulk of what he believed to come out. And even like two years into it, I was still learning things. And there were so many conversations that ended with us yelling at each other. And I know to this day, he still has not told me everything. Mm -hmm. He is an internal processor. I'm an external processor. That makes it challenging. He doesn't like to talk about things because it makes him more upset. I like to talk about things because it helps me feel better. So that has been a challenge, you know, a, a difference in who we are that we've had to navigate. Um, but anyway, so when this, when this all first came out, he told me, that he was never planning on telling me that he didn't even believe in God anymore because wow. he thought that I would leave him and take our daughter and divorce him. And so he was just going to go through the motion of going to church and playing the part for the rest of our lives. And wow. I felt so betrayed and so blindsided. I would so much, I mean, this is what I think, who, who really knows if it would have played out this way, but I feel like it, 
I would so much have rather that he communicated openly with me as he was on his journey. But he said that part of it was he thought I would leave him. The other part was it was such a painful thing for him. And he did not want to subject me to that pain. Mm. And he also told me that had the roles been reversed, he would have divorced me if it had been him staying and me leaving the church, he would have divorced me. So that helped me understand him a little bit better, but it really didn't help with the pain that I felt. Um, Anyway, we'd been married for 15 years at that point. And I felt, I'd felt for a few years, something's up, but I had no idea what he works really hard. He was always stressed. He seemed very unhappy, but as I mentioned, he's not a big talker and it's really hard for me. I would ask him, what can I do? How can I make you happier? You don't seem happy, but he now looking back, he was going through all of this on his own by himself. And, uh, but I was shocked. I hurt. I felt like my life was over. How could I go on that? That was how this all came about. Yeah. And there, I think so many of us can relate with that. It's interesting because everyone's situation is different, but I think that's a common thing that that was kind of my situation. I'm a big talker. My husband's not, I think it's a kind of a, I've heard that a similar story many times. So Mary, how did, how did this impact your marriage? How did this impact your family? Oh my goodness. How did it not? (laughs) When the church is such a huge part of life, we're talking, you know, daily family prayers, mealtime prayers, going to church every single Sunday, general conference, um, scripture study, it affects everything. And I was now the only one that believed. So I felt this incredible weight of teaching my daughter, the gospel on my shoulders and my shoulders alone. It was so heavy. And as far as impacting my marriage, um, one of the challenges in my marriage is that I, I have this thought that my spouse and I have very little in common. Mm. Our hobbies and, inter- and, and interests don't really intersect. And after 15 years of marriage, I had felt for a while that the only thing that we really had in common anymore was our daughter and the church. And this was before his faith transition. And so when this happened, it truly felt like, well, there goes the church piece. Now, all we really have in common is our daughter. And it was so hard. But I do want to say that um, because we have been so different for the majority of our marriage, I don't have the same struggles that so many women in this space do where they did have that spiritual connection with their husband. I'd never really had that. My husband didn't like to discuss spiritual things. We'd rarely gone to the temple together. He never wanted to do any deep dives into any discussions. So we didn't have that real spiritual connection. So that part didn't really change. And I know that that part is so hard for so many women, but I definitely felt so alone. I just felt like, you know, it's all on me. And in the beginning, when I first found out, I told him that he was the one that had changed this, not me. So he would still go to church. And he would baptize our daughter, which was still a couple of years off. And he was actually very kind and accommodating with my demands. And I know a lot of spouses aren't that way. Um, But about two or three years into it, I realized that I was not being fair to him with my demands. And at that point, I approached him and I told him, listen, um, this this can't be on me anymore. I'm not going to hold it against you. 
You do what you want to do. If you don't want to go to church anymore on Sunday, don't go to church. I'm not going to be in a bad mood all day because you didn't go to church. Mm. I had realized that my demands were not a healthy dynamic in our relationship, especially I knew my, my daughter's a real daddy's girl. And I knew that once she's a teenager or eventually this would all came out, come out, but once she's a teenager, she would have conversations. And if she asked him, well, dad, if you haven't believed, why have you gone to church all these years? And if his answer was because mom asked me to, or because mom made me, that would not go over well. So, um, I, I told him, I felt differently about it. He could do what he wanted to, and he quit going immediately. And that was really hard. And I realized pretty quickly as I went alone with my daughter week after week that I wanted people at church to notice and to feel sorry for me, but no one said anything. There were no questions about where's Josh, baby, where, you know, Mm. what's, what's going on with Josh. There was nothing. And I felt so unseen and alone. And eventually I was able to recognize that if I put myself in someone's shoes and I saw someone whose spouse no longer went to church. I wouldn't say anything either because I wouldn't know what to say. Yeah. So I definitely have expectations of other people and what they don't do and what I think they should do. And it's super frustrating, but it's, it's easy to, when I put myself in someone else's shoes to understand, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I would probably be doing the same thing that they're doing. And I did finally have someone reach out after about three years and say, they had noticed that Josh wasn't there and what's going on. Um, and I did have someone actually just a few months ago, ask me if Josh had died or if we had gotten divorced, Mm -hmm. that was unexpected. I mean, he hasn't gone for five or six years. So, um, you know, you, you just never know what is, how it's going to look, but it's 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 so interesting. It's so interesting because you hear so many different situations where some people are saying, Oh my word, people have so much pity on me and they are always asking me. And, and then you've got, you've got your situation. It's interesting because it's, and I think it's also, some of us don't know what we want in that situation where, you know, it's like, do we want people to come and talk to, for me, I wanted to be able to talk about it with people. And um, yeah, it's so interesting that we, yeah, we all kind of have a different situation with that. Um, okay. So Mary, what do you think, what would you say has been the very hardest part of, of this past, you said eight, eight years? Well, there are a couple of things that have been the hardest part. It's hard to, to say just one in the beginning. One of the hardest parts was that I was already going through one of the biggest trials of my life. I was in a calling with some very difficult personal challenges, and I felt so incredibly alone, so burdened. I was very depressed. It was all I could do to show up on Sunday in in this calling, a big, you know, in a kind of over an organization with a smile on my face and try to act like things were okay. I was dying inside. And this was before Mm -hmm. my husband's faith transition. So I was already dealing with this great amount of pain. And about a year into this trial was when this all came out with my husband. And so I had the, I was like, are you kidding? I really was like, God, are you serious? 
Like I am barely handling this other thing in my mm. life. And now this happens. This is, this is happening. It was so traumatic. It was so incredibly painful. I look back and I truly don't know how I got through. It was mm. one day so at a sorry. time. Another part that was equally as hard, which I kind of mentioned earlier was that, um, I'm a big talker by, I, I process by talking. My husband's not my husband didn't want anyone to know, no family, mm. no friends. And back then I felt like this was his story and I couldn't tell anyone. And I wanted to honor that, but I was not dealing with it. <clears throat> now I recognize that what was happening was also my story. And mm -hmm. if I could go back, I would tell him that. And I would tell him, listen, this is my story too. I need to talk to people um, but as it was, I did something that I deeply, truly deeply regret, which was I just went behind his back and I told a few people at a time over the course of a couple of years until most of his family knew, most of, of my family knew, some of my close friends knew, and this is something I'm definitely not proud of. And one of, one of the main things that I'd go back and change if I could, mm. I, I needed to talk to people, but the guilt of knowing that I had told people about him when he had asked me not to, and that he didn't know it was almost unbearable. And it got to the point where about three years in, I had encouraged him numerous times, just, just be authentic. You'll feel so much better if you can just be authentic and tell people where you're at. And I finally realized I was going to have to tell him that people already knew. And mm -hmm. that was so hard because he lost a lot of trust in me and I didn't blame him at all. And I told him, take whatever time you need listen, I get it. I shouldn't have done this. I apologize. Um, but it was a live and learn moment. And what I learned yeah. was that it's important to be respectful of your spouse's wishes. And also it's important to be respectful of your own needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's so important because it's, yeah, I think there's, I've talked to several women in this space that's like, yeah, nobody knows. And I, we have to, I think I like the asking the question, what does love look in this situation? What does it look like in this situation? Love for my spouse and also love for myself. Cause I've got a, that's an important, and that may look different for different people. I also, I know with me, I made so many mistakes along in, in my journey with this and, and I'm thankful for the, all the things that I've learned from those mistakes and that helped me to figure out who I want to be moving forward. So yeah, we've all made mistakes, girlfriend. Mm -hmm. um, so many. Yes. And I'm sure we will continue to do so because we're humans. Um, well, you've kind of touched on this a little bit, but what are some of the key things that you've learned through this experience? Okay. I'll give you two. The first key thing that I learned was that the way that I thought so many things in the gospel worked is no longer how I believe. For example, I used to believe that the best thing for everyone was to stay on the straight and narrow path to God. And now I feel differently. I recognized pretty early on that my husband was being honest and authentic to his feelings, that his experiences were very different from me and my experiences, and that he no longer believed. And because of that, things like paying tithing and wearing garments meant nothing to him. It was so hard for me to initially comprehend and it hurt. It really hurt. But as I thought about it 
and was able to recognize differences in personality and lived experiences, I realized that what works for me didn't work for him. And it wasn't fair for me to hold him to what I thought he should be doing. So I was able to recognize that him leaving and taking his own path, which does not look like the covenant path we're supposed to stay on, was actually much better for his mental and emotional health. And he was so much happier. I, I know that sounds kind of crazy, but he really was. He really is so much happier. Now, I still believe in God. I still believe that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is the Christ. And yet I also now believe that we each have our own path that will get us there. And belonging to this church in this lifetime and staying on the path, I don't see how that's the only way to get there. Because if that were the case, what would that mean for all of the billions of people on earth that never hear about the gospel and die? So now I believe that this life is not the only chance we get. And, and we're told that the restoration's ongoing. We're taught that the work continues in the spirit world and will continue into the millennium. So I no longer, I don't worry about not being with my husband eternally or that there's going to be empty chairs in heaven because my husband no longer believes. That doesn't make sense to me with what I know about my loving heavenly parents and my savior. And I believe that they will provide countless opportunities for their children to accept them. So that's the first key thing I've learned is that mm-hmm. I now believe the gospel works differently than from how I used to think it worked. The second key thing that I've learned is that it's important to open up and share experiences with others, but to do so carefully. Realize that not everyone's going to understand you. Some are going to judge you. Some are going to want to argue. But it's really good to talk about it and normalize mixed faith marriages and what different people call faith transitions, faith crisis, faith expansions. I think we need to talk about this so much more than we do. Mm-hmm. And yet I still don't really talk about it in my work. I, I definitely need to practice what I preach. It's much easier said than done, but I think it's really important that this start happening because this is normal. We talk about it like it's this thing to be so like, stay away from it. It's so scary, you know, but it's normal. We just don't see it as such because we're not talking about it enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the more that we can share our stories, it enables people in our congregations to say like, you know, this is a safe place. I'm struggling and I'm having questions. I think it's, yeah, no one has it all figured out. We're all, we are all a work in progress. So thank you. Those are, I think those are great things to, to, to look at. Um, Okay. My next question I have for you, what do you feel like has helped you the most? In the very beginning, prayer and a couple of blessings that I got from my dad. He was the first person that I told that I told um, it was about two weeks in and I was a mess and I told him sobbing through tears and he gave me a blessing that I still remember. It was, it was, uh, so important to me in my life that gave me that clarity that I needed to kind of know just how to continue on. By the time I found the marriage on a tightrope Facebook group and podcast, I I'd already gone through the hardest times and I was in a pretty Mm -hmm. good place by that point. 
but those were both still super helpful. And the past three and a half years, the most helpful thing for me personally has been the Marco Polo groups that you mentioned earlier. Um, I have, <clears throat> I have so many friendships now because of those groups and my Marco Polo people are my people. Like mm -hmm. they understand me in a way that's very hard for other people, not in this situation to understand. And what's, what's really kind of fun about these groups is they continue to evolve and change. We have new people joining regularly. We have people leaving because they don't, they don't need it anymore. There's constant change, but I'll tell you what's consistent. And you know, this is the sisterhood and mm -hmm. the love and support that I hope that the wives feel when they join. I didn't have that in the beginning, but I have it now. And these friendships have been one of the biggest blessings in my life. And anyone's welcome to join at any time. Just reach out. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I really appreciate about the group, there are differing levels. You've got some people that have like really strong testimonies and you've got people that are questioning. And I think it's so helpful to have, you know, like we'll have conversations about a certain topic and you get the whole range of, you know, like very black and white ways of looking at it and very nuanced ways of looking at it. And I think it's, I know there's been so many times where I've heard all these different perspectives that I'm just like, wow, that's so interesting to see how we're all handling it. And um, yeah, those friendships, it's just, it's a, we kind of joke that it's the club that no one wants to be in. And I think it's, I think it's a hard place to be, but a beautiful place of support and love and healing. So yeah, anyone yeah. that is listening, just send me an email and I will get you a link for our, our group. If you're interested, I'll, yes, I'll also, and, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'll include my email in the show notes. So yeah, anyone that feels like they would like to come and join, would love to have you be a part of our group. If you're in this situation. Yeah. And, and I really try to keep it a really safe space. And in so doing, I, there's actually different groups. There's a few different groups because I want to have a group where anybody, wherever they're at on the, on the spectrum of belief or nuance where they feel safe. And we just talk about relationships in that group, relationships with other people, um, with, uh, with your husband, your kids, your, your family members, whatever. And we do it from a, well, anyway, we, we want everyone to feel very safe in, in that, in, in all the groups. But I realized that a lot of women wanted a space where they could also talk about the things that they're struggling with in the church mm -hmm. and not everybody wants to hear that. And so we created a separate group just for people that want to want to talk about their struggles with the church. And that's also a very safe place. The viewpoints in there are widely different. And yet there is so much love in both these groups. Mm -hmm. And it's been, it's been pretty amazing to see, and it hasn't been me. It's been, it's been the people in, in the groups. And so we do have a space. We, we've got those two different spaces and they serve very different purposes. And a lot of people are in both groups, but not everybody, because yeah. not everybody needs help with their marriage anymore. And not everybody is struggling with the church and trying to figure out stuff with the church. So we do have those two different groups. 
Well, it's just been, it's been so nice for me to have that support. And, and I think it's interesting. There's some people that are very active and share a lot of things. And then we have a lot of people that just listen. So yeah, we have, we have so many lurkers. We had a lady get on yesterday who said, I don't think I've spoken for over a year, but I listened to everything and it was so nice to see her Mm -hmm. face again. Yeah, it's good. Well, it's just nice to have, to have a space where you feel like you belong. Um, Okay, Mary, what do you feel like has been your biggest win in all of this? You know, it's it's hard to say. And this win is one that I am certainly still struggling with. I, I'm not perfect with it. But <laughs> one of my biggest wins is the growth I can see in myself through this process. For example, I am so much better at validating wherever people are at in their journey. It began with being able to validate my husband, not judge him for his choices. And it's continued with validating so many of my close friends who end up choosing to step away alongside their husbands or validate close friends who are trying to stay in the church, but struggle with things. And, and I don't see things the same way that they do, but I can validate them. Mm -hmm. And I also recognize I still have a really long way to go in this process because I find that when I go to church or I listen to conference or sometimes even reading the Liahona, I find myself getting triggered by things now because people, church members, leaders of the church don't see things now the way that I see things. So I try to be really patient and I'm, I'm trying to validate people wherever that they're at, even if they uh, still believe very, very black and white, like I used to believe or they're so nuanced that, or they're out of the church and they see things completely different than how I see it now. Um, I still have a lot of improvement, but I can see a lot of growth in that area. So I count that as a win. That's a huge win. I think it's so important. Um, okay. So what, so now that you've done this for eight plus years. What does your marriage and your family look like today? All right. So I would say that this experience has brought my husband and I closer together in a way that nothing up to this point, including infertility or adoption was able to do. Um, so that's been interesting. I did ask him to attend the marriage on a tightrope workshop three years ago. He was very reluctant, but he did it. We were at a point in our marriage where we'd already worked through most of the hard things that they talk about in that workshop, but it was still helpful. And I do recommend that workshop to anyone who's new in this space or who's really struggling in their marriage. One of the ways that it was helpful helpful for us is that it made us talk every single mm-hmm. week. And um, <clears throat> that's something we still struggle with. And, you know, we, we're not good at it even now, but during the workshop we were, and, and I think it, it did help us, uh, gain some skills that we are, we're still, still able to use, um, with my daughter, she started questioning and saying, I don't think dad believes in the church anymore. Once, once he quit going. So probably five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. And I just encouraged her to ask him about that so that he could answer any questions that she had. And I also asked him, please be respectful of my viewpoint and use language like, this is what I believe. This is what mom believes. 
you get to decide for yourself what you believe. And, and I think he's done that. And I'm, I'm very lucky that he is so respectful of me. Um, I think one of, I think Josh would say, and, and I would say one of the biggest things that neither one of us ever expected in all of this was how I would change. I'm a complete, I feel like a completely different member than I did eight years ago on the outside. Everything still looks the same, but inside I, I, I struggle much more than I ever did. Um, I struggle with patriarchy, not only in the church, but in society. I question all kinds of things. I no longer blindly follow just because a leader said it. I'm passionate about Heavenly Mother and including her in our speech. And I find myself struggling when I go to church or I go to family activities and the language is exclusively Heavenly Father. I try to be patient, but it's it's hard. And I didn't struggle with these things eight and a half years ago. But what's been interesting in all of this is that the same things, like my husband, once he, once he saw the patriarchy, he had never seen it until we had a daughter. And then he started to see it. And it really bothered him. Um, what's been interesting is the same things that led my husband out of the church. For whatever reason, I have been able to stay in the church. I, I feel like my heavenly my heavenly parents and my savior want me to stay. And, and so I'm staying. And my husband's experience was so different from mine. My husband thought I would divorce him. I'm not divorcing him. Not because he changed what he used to believe. I've now changed what I believe, but my core beliefs are still the same. My core beliefs that, that, uh, the, the church was restored and that we have living prophets here on earth today. Those are still the same, but the way I see things is, is very, very different. And, and you touched on this earlier, but I think it's really important to be flexible and to focus on what really matters, which for me always comes back to love. What would love do? What does love look like? And if both of us can operate from love, then I'm in this marriage for eternity. Even if he thinks it's going to end when he dies, I don't think that way. I'm here forever. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> okay. And we talked about this a little bit earlier, but um, so if you could go back to your past self that was just starting this journey with what you know now, what advice would you have for her? I love this question. And I want to clarify that this is my journey and my advice to myself <laughs> and everyone's mm -hmm. journey is different. So totally. just because this is the advice that I would have given myself doesn't mean that this should be the advice for, for anyone else. What I would tell myself is Mary, please know that this is going to get easier. The pain will become so much less intense. You're not going to die, but it is going to take time and just be patient with the journey. Number two, I would say, Mary, you're actually going to end up grateful that this happened to you because of who you're going to become through the process, which ties right into the third thing, which is, I would say, Mary, you're going to like yourself better in just a few short years. There's no shortcut, but it will happen. And you will be so much more compassionate, understanding, validating, kind, loving, and non-judgmental you are going to like yourself so much more and it's going to be hard and that's okay. 
hard things, changes for the better and make us stronger. But I promise you're going to be happier than you are now. That is what I would tell myself. Well, now that I'm going to cry, because <laughs> I think I feel like those are some of the th- same things that I would say to me that little things that changes in me, I feel like I have become more Christ-like, not that I'm anything near there, but just, and I know that I have so much more to go, but I feel like this situation is where I'm learning my best to be Christ-like and to listen to people that are, that have different opinions than I do and to love them no matter what, whether we see things the same or not. I think there's so many little things like you just mentioned that we had no idea that they would help us to become more of who we want to become eventually. And just like you said, it's not easy. There's some really hard things to get through, but I, I, those things that we've learned and the ways that we're becoming more Christ-like and more like our heavenly parents, these are things that I want. And I think all of us want, and some of the stuff is hard to, some of these lessons are hard, but yeah. Oh, Mary, I just love I love what you, I love, I love those things that you've, that you would tell your, your past self. Um, is there anything else, anything else that you want to share with us before we wrap up? Yes. You know, um, I believe that there are angels, both seen and unseen that are on, on our side cheering for us. So when it feels like you're alone, try to remember that you're not there's, there's that beautiful quote by Harold B. Lee that says, we have a heavenly father and a heavenly mother who are even more concerned probably than our earthly father and mother. Influences from beyond are constantly working to try to help us. And this idea that we have heavenly parents, a savior, angels on earth, angels in heaven. We know that heaven's actually located here on earth, which is the spirit world. We just can't see it, right? This idea has been such a comfort to me when I feel alone. Um, I, I love your strawberry story that you tell. I, I think so many of us, if we, if we can see the miracles in our lives, they are there. And we have angels amongst us that we can see and amongst us that we can't see, but that we can feel. And just, just believe that and lean on that when it's so tough you, you don't know what to do. You don't know how you're going to go on. There, there are people beyond the veil and people here that love us that I believe we, we knew, we knew before, we just can't remember them, but there are friends, there are family members. They love us so much. And we have people here that love us so much. Just keep going, keep going. It will get better. And then it's going to get hard again. And then it's going to get better. And it is a cycle. But I will say that the pain that I felt those first two years, it was really about two years that it took me in. And everyone's timeline's different. But the pain that I had those first two years, I really don't experience that type of pain and that level of pain in regards to that issue anymore. And so I absolutely testify growth happens. We can move, we do move into new levels of our best, highest version of ourselves and new pain is going to come along 
but our experiences with our old pain and how it helped get us stronger just helps keep us going. And so just remember all of the many people that we have around us that want to help us. I love that. And Mary, you are totally one of my angels. And I just am as, so... as you are mine. We make a good team, don't we? <laughs> I just I'm so thankful for this, our friendship in this space where we've been able to support each other through something really hard. And I just so appreciate you being willing to come and share your story. And I'm sure that you are going to help so many people with the little nuggets that you've learned and things that have helped you along the way. So thank you so much for being my guest today. And I just, I just love you. If I could reach through my screen and give you a big hug, I would, but Uh, thank you so much, Chris. And same back at you. You, you do so much to help so many people in this space and you're, you are pretty incredible yourself. And what I love about the the many friendships that I've, that I've made now that I'm in this space is every single person has something different that they have brought to my life. And it has made this beautiful, what, what, what's it called? Like a, like a picture or a quilt or something. This this beautiful, that was what I was looking for. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. You read my mind. (laughs) This beautiful tapestry I am changed because of so many beautiful people around me and uh, you're one of them. And just, just thank you. Thank you for all that you do. Oh, back at you. Well, you guys were um, so, so glad that you could hear from Mary today and Mary just love you. And I really appreciate you being on my podcast. So, okay, my friends, that's everything we have for you this week and make a great week. Mwah. don't have to be on the same page with religion to have a great relationship. If you are feeling stuck in all the emotions that are coming up for you in your mixed faith relationships, or are looking for tools to help you move forward, I can help you. Sign up for a free session with me. Go to chrisrichcoaching.com and click on work with me because you and your loved ones are worth it, my friend. Thank you.